everyone. Welcome to Zonan Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Joining me today, Carl, how, how should I even introduce you? Um, I am uh, Carlson, uh, occasional writer, uh, apparently the only guy who understood uh, Fully Cooly Progressive as per Jason DeMarco himself. I just released a new drum and bass album uh, that I named after a bit from <laughs> a Sobi Asabase. <laughs> so, yeah. What, what 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 can you introduce me as? I'm just that guy who mean, means that when we have things like this to talk about, you're not just talking to yourself. <laughs> you know what? I at one point I considered doing this podcast episode myself, but I uh, I talked myself out of it, thankfully. But yes, today I'm happy to be here though. <laughs> yeah, thanks th- thanks thanks for coming on as always, Carl. Um, so we are going to talk about a number of things in this episode. The most important thing is a new television channel. That's going to be launching in Canada, a television channel. Why should anyone give a crap about that? Well, it's a good question. <laughs> yeah. So this new channel is being it is a new youth television channel and also a streaming initiative um, that's set to be launched eventually in Canada. Uh, not this year, unfortunately, um, but it is notable because uh, it is all but confirmed, more or less, to be carrying some anime content, uh, most likely anime content targeted at a millennial slash Adult audience, although, you know, I, I don't think they still consider millennials adults. Um, the new channel is being launched. Well, no, right? at this at this point, millennials are adults. They have to come up with the pre-millennial name because those people are yeah. turning into adults. Well, no, as of, you know, as of the end of this year, all millennials will officially be adults. But it's crazy. For, for marketing purposes, you they're, they're not adults. They're, <laughs> they're, 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 they're the extension of youth. Um, mm. This new channel is being launched by WoW Unlimited. Um, and there's been buzz about this station launching for a while now, and this is a subject that I've honestly been kind of restraining myself from talking about on the show, namely because there still have not been any formal confirmed programming announcements. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, as if you listen to the show for a while, you would know that I have made many uh, predictions and anticipations in the past about stations that will be broadcasting anime that never wound up being even remotely true. Um, in this case, though, the TV station's senior vice president, Marnie Shulman, um, has actually been remarkably transparent uh, on social media about the new station and in the fact that they're interested in acquiring and airing anime content. Mm-hmm. Um, we can pretty much safely say the station is going to launch on April 1st, 2019. And the reason we know that is because they have a weird CRTC contract. They had until either the end of this year to launch or they have to wait until April 1st to launch. So it's safe to say that this station will finally launch in April 1st. It has been, on April 1st, it's been um, an extended uh, kind of project. I do want to, off the bat, say, just because I know that, you know, a lot of you probably aren't going to listen to the end of the episode, so I'll just say it now. Um, So this WoW station, which will likely be carrying anime, it's not guaranteed to be on every cable and satellite provider in Canada. Notably, Rogers and Shaw might not have it. Um, which is a significant chunk of the viewing audience that would be well, and, and 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 why would this be? Well, the reason is because Wow Unlimited <laughs> is actually um, the rebranding of Bell's existing channel, Comedy Gold. So basically, any if you get Comedy Gold or you have a provider that has Comedy Gold, you will have Wow this Wow TV channel um, that's set to launch next year, pretty much guaranteed. If you're on a service that does not get that channel, there's a very strong chance that you will not get the WoW TV channel, when it launches. And if that is the case, I strongly urge you to contact, if you have Shaw or you have Rogers, if your parents or other family members have Shaw or Rogers, 
If you have friends who have Shaw and Rogers and are too lazy to call them themselves, I urge you to contact these providers, ask them, make sure that they carry this channel on April 1st, tell them you want to see this channel on April 1st, because making sure that it's as widely available as possible um, across the country is going to be extremely important. And, you know, remember, the purpose of anime airing on TV is to expose it to new people, not so much to have, you know, this to watch yourself. So yeah. just keep in mind the breadth of the audience that we uh, we need to reach here. It's a long-term, it's a long-term thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, oh, it's such, like, the one thing I, get, I do have to say kind of off the bat is yeah. it's just so sketchy <laughs> launching a new linear channel in 2018 that's in thing, a market yeah. that's already... I put it this way, at a demographic that is leaning away from linear television, um, at least linear television that's part of a package, um, because there has been some success with launching new over-the-top stuff that's like Cheddar, that new sort of like financial newsy network thing in the States is done pretty decently for effectively only being an over-the-top offering. But it's like, yeah, it's it's interesting to be like, it's so heavily tied to an existing media company in Bell. And other existing media companies, and as much as WoW is the combination of what Frederator and Rainmaker. Well, let, let, let's maybe summarize what what this is. So we don't actually know what the name of the channel is going to be yet. Um, I thought that it was going to be WoW TV, uh, but there actually already is a WoW TV in Canada. It's a Chinese language uh, specialty station. As far as I'm concerned, whichever one airs anime gets to be the real WoW TV. But um, <laughs> I think there's a, a good chance it's actually not going to be called that. Um, on Crave, which is, of course, Bell's streaming service, WoW is already launching some content on there, and it's being branded as WoW World. So it's possible that this station is going to be called WoW World. I don't know yet. We're, we're going to have to wait and see. It might, it, it might be, we're probably not going to know until there's, like, another press release or something. But WoW Unlimited, that's the name of the company uh, that emerged after mm-hmm. Rainmaker Studios, uh, which is, like, the corporate entity that sort of that mainframe entertainment morphed into uh, over the years. It actually acquired Frederator Studios. Uh, Frederator Studios, they run Cartoon Hangover in the States. Um, that was the studio that made Adventure Time, more or less. And I well, remember- I mean, I think more importantly, they had had like a lot of online um, experimentation. Like, like, the, like the interesting thing is, is it's almost kind of a bit of a backwards move for Frederator and as much as they had leaned so heavily into being online first with stuff like being puppy cat and bravest warriors. Yeah, those are the two shows that people know this. Yeah. Know Frederator the most for. Well, I mean, put it this way, especially in like this modern, like this, uh, like modern context, like, like I, the adventure time is arguably one of the last big things Frederator pushed to, to traditional television and was largely, I mean, they were the production company on it, but I think a lot of the studio talent was actually still at just CN Burbank, as if I recall correctly. Like, they were more a production company rather than, like, yeah. housing people. So it's interesting to sort of see that, like, yeah, another, I mean, not that, the, not that streaming isn't part of what's being offered here, but like, like I said, linear, linear television launch yeah. in 2018. Well, Albeit, yeah. like, though Sabert's involved, right? Sabert is involved. He and this is, is this is the guy who launched MTV and who yeah. guided Nicktoons uh, original programming yeah. early on, and then moved to Cartoon Network to do uh, to launch What a Cartoons, and then moved back to, you know, like he's been he's got the chops to do it. Like if if he if, if he can't pull it off, no one on this planet can. <laughs> Fred Sabert, he is the controlling shareholder of of Wow Unlimited, and it's mm-hmm. worth noting he has he frequently cites Crunchyroll 
as an example to follow uh, for reaching niche audiences, or at least I believe it was him who who has mentioned that in interviews in relation to uh, WoW well, Unlimited more, Strategy. And, it, and it's fair because he's he's uh, familiar with it probably via a lot of the Cartoon Hangover stuff also being available on Verve, which yeah. is part of media. Yeah. yeah, well, Elation to Otter Media, to, you know, which is therefore also Crunchyroll, which is now all AT&T and now also Warner Media. And that's another weird, that's another weird question I have in the air with some of this. We're, we're, we're going to get to the impending streaming apocalypse later, I think. Um, but yeah, there is some shared DNA with all of that, all that stuff here that's in the, in what's constructed WoW Unlimited. But it, it started with Rainmaker Studios acquiring Frederator. So it's a Canadian company. Acquiring Frederator. Um, so who actually started this initiative, though, is Michael Hirsch. Michael Hirsch, um, he was the original founder of Nelvana back in 1971. Um, he was the co-founder of Teletoon. Um, he founded Cookie Jar, which was the company that basically devoured Deke back in the uh, the mid-2000s. And until recently, he controlled DHX. And DHX is the company that um, they control Family Channel, Family Charged, all those um those few animation or those few youth broadcasters that are on the air on Canadian airwaves right now that are not owned by Chorus. Chorus, of course, has like the complete, almost the complete monopoly on imported American content. They own the Cartoon Network brand. They own Nick. They own Disney in Canada. They also run YTV and Teletoon now. So Michael Hirsch, he's kind of had his fingers in all this stuff over the years, and now he's headlining this new project, Wow Unlimited. So that's sort of the the building blocks that have come together to make this company. They have a, a library that sort of seems to take from all that stuff. They have some Frederator titles. They have a selection of old Deke titles, some old Teletoon titles, and the classic mainframe titles. So you know, a little little bits and pieces of stuff that uh, that Hirsch has been involved with over the years. Um, so the the Wow Channel is being launched in collaboration with Bell, um, and this is actually their first time launching a youth channel. But I think one of the most significant things, and possibly the most significant thing behind this, is that Bell owns Crave. Crave is major streaming platform. Uh, it was launched basically to be a competitor for Netflix. Uh, arguably, when they first launched it, it was to just take streaming rights away from Netflix. But it's it's definitely evolved since then. Um, and they are using Crave as the platform for WoW content. In fact, there's already a lot of stuff up there, which is, again, labeled as WoW World. Um, and of note, Crave, Crave recently launched a new expanded version of their service. It's essentially the Canadian version of HBO Now. So for an extra charge, which totals like $20 a month, you actually can get full streaming and live stream access to HBO and Showtime content now. Um, and this is probably going to greatly increase the number of people who are subscribed to Crave. Uh, and that's apparently already like 1.5 million people. So this expansion just kind of came out of nowhere. Both my girlfriend and I just noticed that Crave subscriptions had just materialized out of nowhere. It just kind of showed up in our in our systems. And we like we have separate subscriptions, so this happened independently. So if you have cable or satellite right now, there's a very good chance you actually have a Crave subscription and don't even realize it. This has kind of been their their tactic uh, for the most part. So in other words, it isn't necessarily a hundred, uh, it isn't one mil, 1.2 million necessarily natural. It's 1.2 million, but sort of bubbling off the fact that if you have bell television or bell internet or something, you may also have crave kind of thing. Most, most television providers have it even crave, even bells competitors, um, which is, uh, ah. which is kind of weird, but a lot of people do use it uh, because keep in mind they have um, 
you can get it without a, a cable subscription. A lot of people seem to think you still need like a cable or satellite subscription to get it, which is not true. They've had like selections of HBO content for a while, and I think that has also been a big thing that's been driving them. So that's a really significant platform right there. And WoW is putting their content on Crave. They've already put a number of titles on there. And again, going back to this idea of Crave airing anime, just to just to emphasize, um, in Canada we have not had a broadcaster making a dedicated effort to air anime since YGD's Bionics block ended back in 2010. Uh, basically, as soon as Naruto ended, everything dried up. Now, if you had asked me back in 2012 if having anime on TV is still important, I would have said no. Um, my opinion has definitely changed completely, though. Uh, you know, we've seen the success of Toonami in the States. And right right now, uh, I, I don't know if you if you disagree with me on this, Carl, but Toonami is like the, still the most significant way of uh, for more casual viewers to discover anime in the U.S. Would, would I, you think that's the case? I'm a, I'm of a, I'm a, I'm a two mindsets on this. Um, mm-hmm. On one hand, there's still definitely a, a, an audience that has cable in the U.S. and that having that locked in block, very well professionally packaged, top-notch qu- content, that definitely has a case or definitely has a place um, for exposing new people to anime. Um Maybe not as valuable as it used to be because being in a late night Saturday's position is still isn't the exposure that being in the afternoon was. Yeah. Um, conversely, um, the rapid proliferation, not necessarily of your niche services like Crunchyroll and then niche are still in Funimation and High Dive, but rather the access to anime on platforms like Prime, which everybody has, and Netflix, which everybody has. And you take a, and you know, you get, you hear rumblings from like different news sites and stuff that like the things that are getting a lot of traffic in terms of anime, uh, news aren't necessarily the things that are airing on TV, certainly aren't the things that are on the niche streaming services, but are the things that are making their way to the mainline major streaming services. So those services, because if nothing else, they'll ignore the algorithm to try and suggest things to get people to try stuff so that they can ostensibly recoup that and see, well, maybe this will be sticky for people. There's a lot of discovery now happening on those platforms of anime titles, and that is becoming a major way in which people... Um, that are casual are still consuming animation in the United States and of course abroad because when they are doing these things they are doing these lock stock and barrel deals to some extent like there's still obviously a lot of value in linear I think there's a I think it's just if nothing else it provides value in linear as a concept because if linear just becomes a homogenous blob that will only increase the attrition rates for it but with the just pervasiveness of everybody having, you know, often at least two streaming subscriptions, whether they realize it or not. Um, and, and I say that because, like, not everybody catch, catches, you know, realizes that, hey, I've got a lot of free content on Prime. Um, so that's one. And then people forget that, like, Netflix is a subscription thing. They just get used to, like, there's $10 a month coming out of their bank account. But they just assume that that's a thing that's there. Um, for, so th- people forget that they pay for Netflix. Yeah, I mean, weird, I think it's a very weird phenomenon. Well, and I think the other thing that comes out of that is, is in talking to creatives, some of whom have been on this show, but just generally, there is now also a push in terms of original animation production in the United States to saying, like, I'd rather do it for Netflix than a linear. And that's a massive shift. Like, you would not have said that 
even necessarily three years ago. But because of, again, the fact that something can premiere on Netflix and have just as much cultural traction uh, as it would have if it had premiered on Fox, um, that's a that's a big shift. And the thing is, is, at least when you premiere on Netflix, there's not like, well, I hope they schedule the rest of my show eventually. Like the worst thing that can happen to you as a creative on on Netflix or on Amazon is they take your what was your 26 episode order and say like we're going to drop 13 now and we'll drop 13 later in the year. That has changed the value of linear, both to the creative and to the consumer. And so it's hard to say that like, do we need Wow in Canada? Yeah, because having something like that has value. Is that even like I've kind of come the other way. Like I like in 2012, I've probably been like, yeah, we need to have this on linear now because of how much, if anything, because of how problematic at points linear television has been in terms of trying to stick to a brand or grow a brand. It's not as clear cut as it used to be. Like, I feel like there's a point where it's like, you got to have linear too. Now I'm like, everybody's got this thing in their pocket and they're bored. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but to that, to, to that end, I think there's still, and here's the thing that I think Canada is really actually lagging on is that we don't have like YouTube TV and these kind of things that have kind of picked linear back up in the U S mm-hmm. the sooner that crave, you know, and I think maybe this is that expansion with the HBO stuff as an experiment, because if like that didn't work, adding other Canadian channels wouldn't work. But if those linear live channels work, it's a lot easier to say like, you know, for 35 or 40 a month. So we'll over the top add in, the rest of a package and that gets to be an incredibly compelling offering and it's a lot easier to do that with frankly fresh channels like it's way easier for them to launch wow as a linear channel back launch it as an over-the-top linear channel via crave and then people are like well it's there i've got it i still feel that having access to the programming on a linear platform is very important you know even if the number of cable subscribers cable and satellite subscribers are dropping, which they are finally starting to. They're not dropping as fast as like people think they are, but it, it is, it, we are seeing a decline. When we're talking about anime specifically, I would say that our lack of Toonami, you know, you, you can compare it to the fact that we also don't have Hulu. We also don't have most of Crunchyroll's catalog available for free. Um, oh yeah, there's a lot yeah. of things here that, um, are limiting. Um, it's, it's, it's it, like I said, it's one of those things where it's like it's, it, but it, that means it's kind of part of. It's one of many things that needs to happen. Yeah, like that needs to happen, but just as much as we need that to be available via not just a hardline subscription, but then being able to say like that's part of an over-the-top PlayStation TV, YouTube TV kind of package. Like we need a Canadian version of that, like desperately, and I think it would probably, if anything, have more value at points because. For super remote areas, it makes way more sense just to run internet out there than to try and say, like, we're going to run, like, a traditional cable line. Mm-hmm. So I think for a lot of, like, I mean, granted, Canada's hyper-urbanized, but this gets back to the other thing of, like, you know, another thing we need is digital sub-channels. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, <laughs> so, it like, this all plays into, like, you know, it's like, I, I love that Bell is launching WoW. The smartest thing to do would be, like, Bell owns fucking broadcast channels. Yeah. Make, make wow at least for a month yeah a digital a sub, sub channel a, a sub channel on every ctv broadcaster exactly in, in canada that would be that would be my pipe dream for sure well, well and, i mean it, well it's not, not just a pipe dream just like at this point 
it's if you're not going to do these other things, it's one of the gaps that's probably barring that you have to. Okay, there's technical setup that goes in that, but that may be still lower barrier to entry than your live streaming. Like trying trying to have Bell have a YouTube TV type offering is probably vastly more technically complex than saying stuff this in a digital sub channel for CTV. Well, there's also regulatory things. Well, I, mean, I, th- yeah, I, th- yeah, I think sure. a few um, there be have to be a, quite a few license adjustments for that to work. Um, not that I, you know, I, think, I don't think that's, I think that, it would, that, that but, is, but that the argument for that being in the public good is trivial because yeah. you're saying like, we would like to give more content away for free that <laughs> glues people to traditional broadcasting that by the way, yeah. because it's traditional broadcasting, if there's ever an emergency, definitely going to like see any sort of alerts or shit. Like there's a lot of, there's, there should be a pretty clean legal these type way of, of smoothing that through. Anyway, WoW overall is they they have some investor documents out that mm-hmm. they they list their target the target audience for this brand as kidults, which yeah. kind of goes back to that idea of you know millennials can't be adults they have to be kind of graphed to 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 the youth market to some degree. I, ironically, like it's hard not to compare this whole effort to Viceland, which came and went in less than two years. Uh, was well, I mean, targeting they, they just, part, they just, like, part of the audience that WoW is apparently oh, yeah. going to be, be well, and they be just, just completely for. shot themselves in the foot. Like oh, they, yeah. they, I mean, the one thing that they had that was really working for them, they couldn't retain. <laughs> like, yeah, they had Well, they had they had strong content, but the thing is, is like a lot of that stuff is being eat, like the stuff like say all of the the weed culture shows are also like something that YouTube does and does very well those are all, all on all, crave now by the way yeah no yeah. and all of the um all of the lgbt stuff also can fit uh very well on a youtube or netflix uh market all of the food stuff like you just put that on like food related youtube channels to the point where it's like people who i would have like thought would have get, gotten a viceland show are now just doing youtube shows for like big youtube channels like they they had they had strong strong content and all this great talent behind it, but their strategizing was just garbage. Like yeah, just well, total I, I, garbage I, on every front. Well, I, I feel like they didn't empower the people who really needed to be empowered. Like you've got uh, Nick Widenfield there, and he probably should have been making pretty much every decision that you could have him make conceivably. And I don't get that impression. And I don't even I don't even think he's with Vice anymore. So <laughs> kind of says kind of tells the tale. What is he up to now, anyway? I. You know? Well, I mean, obviously, Neo Yokio Christmas special, which we can now <laughs> talk about, but uh, we will not derail this conversation. But I told you, told you there's going to be more. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I will watch it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. but the, the thing is that, like, for, for all the waiting that we've had to do for this WoW yeah. platform that's launching, like, they oh, have a okay. very interesting strategy. Yeah, um, and the content gonna... is still the part that I'd yeah. be paranoid about, because it's like having a deep old library is still not new stuff that people want to watch and that's still not retaining creatives. Yeah. If you go, uh, so if you go on crave right now, you can see the, you can sample some of the wow world kids stuff. It's just, it's only just the kids stuff right now. I, the, the thing is that I think there's a good, I, I'm hoping there's a good chance that, you know, if they get this anime thing going, that they will also have an anime dedicated anime section on crave. This is something that Marnie had sort of alluded to in some of her public posts on Twitter. Um, and in a way oh. it's, <laughs> That's the the element here that I'm that I'm kind of anticipating most. I think that this that could be the biggest thing to come out of this. If you, if you look at what WoW has right now, they do have one anime, actually the very first anime that uh, that Crave 
has launched, which is, of course, Spider Riders, which uh, they <laughs> <laughs> they pilfered from from uh, podcast favorite. Media. Yep. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll there'll be a retrospective on that one eventually. If people aren't familiar, Crave was launched by Bell um, back about five or six years ago. And it was essentially a, a scheme to scoop up streaming licenses so that Netflix couldn't get them. Well, and they also um, up a, scooped up a bunch of Amazon stuff early on, too, because Amazon yeah. wasn't uh, um, that, that was smart. Show me. That was ShowMe. Oh, show, um, oh, show me got yeah. the Amazon show, stuff. So, yeah, there was another service called ShowMe. That service was launched by Shaw and Rogers. So, again, these were bo- these these new services, the, the only major streaming services that could emerge – in Canada, we're from major telecom companies because we live in a vertically integrated hellscape. Yeah, um, that's what you get in America. Enjoy, that, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. You know, here's the thing is that these services w- weren't meant to be, you know, things that function as streaming services. And no, they really were just hoping design- – they were really hoping just to hold the clock back. They're like, yeah. we could, we, we have a monopoly in Canada on television yeah. effectively between the three of us. So if we make bullshit fake streaming services, we can kill Netflix as a concept in Canada and then no one will stream anything. And that sure worked out great. And this actually, that mentality led to the death of Show Me, mm-hmm. uh, which has, um, created an interesting situation now because Crave is in a situation where or Bell is in a situation, rather, where they have to make Crave into something, and they're trying to. The problem is that when you look, when you, when you browse around Crave and and look at Crave, you'll realize that Crave is not built using the type of mentality that your regular popular streaming service is. It imitates Netflix on the surface level, like in the way everything is laid out. It doesn't, but it doesn't use algorithms. Um, the programming is basically just it, it. It has, if anything, more of a Hulu. Uh, kind of mentality. I'd, I'd, I'd almost compare. I'd almost compare it to like the your 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 also ran services like Viewster or or Popcorn Flicks or um, Crackle. Even, like no, it's it's the, very the, the, even Viewster and Crackle have are, are they're they're run with the mentality of trying to oh they they they, they much leverage more, content they, and gain they, content in the way that a streaming service would. They understand what they're trying to do is be like we can be free ish alternatives to netflix to hopefully eventually make ourselves yeah. worth 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 something like netflix yeah they got a worth, long road to hoe worth but at noting, least but, but uh, they're not coming from the i am a i am the product from an incumbent uh telecom that yes. owns one third of a market <laughs> yeah side note also crackle canada shut down earlier this year and uh, not a lot of people noticed but that's uh definitely a um an- another nail in the coffin for being able to do ad-based streaming services in Canada, which um, don't uh, don't really seem to do too well, unfortunately. Um, but with Crave, uh, it's very it's very much run by television people who are trying to make trying to make something look like a regular streaming service. And one of the consequences of that is that they don't have the type a lot of the type of content. Or they're not going for the type of content that your regular competitive streaming service would try and go for. Of note, they have not even had ki- any kids content until they added this WoW World stuff earlier. Which is, which is nuts. Like that's that, such, that a, that's nuts. such, that's and such a huge hole. Going back again, Bell has never had a youth channel until yeah. now. So now, so they're not even the content they have is going to reflect what they own for television. Um, and then like a, a few other things they grab on the side, mostly like catalog movies. Um, but also the, the, the fact that it doesn't, it has never had anime and show me also never had anime is 
kind of astonishing because I don't think there is any major successful streaming service that didn't make anime a part of its selection very early on in its well, life. Well, if nothing else, because it is, um, anime has often served a role with media that I think is understated in terms of bearing out the viability of a medium. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's like, porn proves that a medium works. And I'm like, that's true. Anime as a niche thing that has an obsessive fan base can also prove whether a medium is viable. Um, it was the, you know, like it was one of the few things in home vi- video that worked well early on and supported Suncoast's long enough to exist that DVD could come along and then anime again proves that this season box set stuff works. What's Suncoast, Carl? <laughs> Suncoast was a Suncoast is, was like, um, what's, what do we have now in Canada? What's the thing? Sunrise records. It's like, it's like, it's, it's like sunrise records, except it was full of VHS stuff. And, uh, this ain't no kid stuff. <laughs> um, but more seriously, it's like, it, you know, anime bore out DVD as a medium. Anime chose essentially Blu-ray as a medium in some ways. And, uh, Anime was an early canary in the coal mine of the value of digitally, uh, internet-based video. Yep. Um, like the, it was such a revolution. And for our younger listeners, I really can't understate like what a massive shift DVDs already were because you're going from like $40 for two episodes in your choice of dub or sub to four, $30 for four episodes in both. So that's immediately like strictly speaking a, an 80 times gain. But then the bigger thing was, is like, Hey, that show that used to took, take three years for you to ever see something of, or you had to get like an nth generation VHS that looked like uh, a bad vaporwave music video, uh, that was poorly fan subbed by somebody. You could have this digital copy that was like initially sent to you via IRC. And that's, Anime built that market first before other piracy could even get off the ground. It was immediately there for fan subbing. So like anime is a, if anime is on your platform, it means it is viable is what I'm getting at now. So the fact that it is absent from crave is conspicuous for sure. Now it's, (laughs) now it's worth noting that uh, going back to Marnie Shulman, who's the Mm -hmm. VP of the new wow TV channel. Now she used to work for show me. In fact, it's right still in her Twitter handle. Uh, um, and she, she actually mentioned that, uh, Show Me at one point was interested or were considering getting Sailor Moon. Why they did not get Sailor Moon is something that just completely blows my mind to this day. And it, and it really, the fact that they did not go for the new Sailor Moon dub from Viz, um, it, it just really shows that the mentality going behind a lot of decisions with that company and probably not too different over it I, I, well. I think I um, think I think show me would have had a very different um would have been a lot more viable if they had gotten dubs going on it because they would have been like shit that's a place where you could do that okay yeah and uh she I mean from what she said on Twitter she is still interested in Sailor Moon uh, also one notable thing that uh if you if you've done any reading on Wow TV chances are you may have seen a lot of people mentioning the uh, ocean dub of Dragon Ball Kai. Ocean that's Kai. because the ocean uh Kai. ocean Kai because uh, <laughs> that's the the folks down at uh, Kai Kaizenshu have been um a little uh, a little a little vocal uh about uh, that's very to Marnie that they want to uh see that ocean Dragon Ball Kai dub, uh, airing on television or just being released to the public in some form. Uh, and she, she actually, again, going back to how incredibly transparent she's been, she's more or less confirmed that they're 
in talks to get it. Whether or not that will be finalized, whether or not any of this will be finalized or or go through is can't be said. And that's the, and that's the other thing that's difficult is is just like yeah. And this is something that to a certain extent this is the limit. You know, the Canada the Canadian publishers have a limitation on, or Canadian broadcasters broadcasting entities have yeah, this is is like what they can get, what they can settle a deal for, yeah. and that depends somewhat on you know like. That requires not just people interested like Marnie, but she needs the support of the rest of her organization. And yeah. we just, it's all too fresh to say that that's there. Um, well, I mean, it's great when you hear Sabert saying like CRs are model because you think like shit, that's a global game and that could be really valuable. Yeah. And I want to just t- touch on this really quick. It could be very valuable for Canadian creatives, like let alone us getting anime in Canada. If, WoW plays a global game. WoW is tied into Rainmaker. Rainmaker is a Canadian studio. Theoretically, this means eventually WoW content gets pushed out through Verve and out into hopefully not just the United States, but as Verve tries to emulate CR's model, longer term, these things can start to, you know, this gets Canadian content out into the world and provides WoW drive to make good Canadian content and not just Canadian content for the tax credit. Um, so it would be really great if these things can, you know, they assemble yeah. all the parts that you need, one of which is probably getting anime on Crave and getting anime on the linear network, which means securing these harder to track down Canadian dubs at points. I, I mean, in the, um, in the grand scheme of things, I think everyone is kind of hoping for that, that kind of two way relationship, whether or not. It's well, be, anyone anyone will want to go through with pulling it off is the the big question. Well, I mean, there's, it is still kind of an ideal to 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 a big extent. Um, well, I mean, there's also going to be to a certain extent of if this if, if if this doesn't work, let's say this doesn't work, WoW ends up just sort of being like a studio, uh, basically feeding other streaming services, uh, and doesn't manage to launch something so much of their own, or it doesn't stick. Crave doesn't stick. We're then uh, in Canada and in, 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 in many markets are going to be facing the same problem of, well, I hope Netflix wants the tax credits to then produce a cartoon or whatever up here. Like it's that's a that's a lot more tenuous um, than there is at least somebody who's treating Canada as a first class citizen as creating a broadcast yeah. network with a major one of the three major companies up here essentially it's not just suggests but demands <laughs> another thing to, to to keep in mind is that uh wow is very much partially partially american as well yeah um i mean they 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 made that castlevania show that's yeah. on netflix right now uh, that's actually that is a show um uh, assuming that netflix does not have the broadcast rights to that i fully assuming that and also assuming that the wow channel has a full-fledged you know millennial adult targeted block late at night i am almost certain that that uh that castlevania show is probably going to show up there at well, some point and that would be that would be great well and um, that's and that's yet another angle for them is is there's a lot of these things where either netflix doesn't have the broadcast rights or they're entirely willing to broadcast things and syndicate things after the fact and that yeah. castlevania being a great if you can be the one that picks up that as the core of your adult animation block that's anime centric in canada and you get the broadcast rights to that syndication rights to that that you know even if that's an after the fact thing rather than a direct lock though you'd think it would be a lot easier for them to say like hey we need this up here and it's really just going to be like an ad for your shit anyways you know you do you do it do what you say what you need to say and and to to make that deal stick because yeah it would be a great start and it's something that again can be built on 
keep in mind that supposedly the same creative is uh, is being lined up for what a Zelda series possibly. Uh, well, we'll see about that. Everyone, have- everyone, everyone always likes to talk about the possibility of a Legend of Zelda series. Um, but, but but the thing is, is like if the, uh, Castlevania has done so well, and even the Anna Twitter skeptical Anna Twitter has been very uh, uh, warm on it. Hopefully that means if nothing else, they can produce their way into this. And then you'd be like, well, we've got this much stuff, but if we can pick up a couple licenses, then it's a real, a real meaty piece of yeah. television. Yeah. Um, and, and I keep in mind, there's also like, there's also the risk with WoW Unlimited kind of having like a, an American stream of content production than a Canadian stream of content production. Cause on one hand, we've got Castlevania coming out of Frederator. Other hand, we've got, uh, Reboot the Guardian Code coming out of, uh, out of the Rainmaker side. Um, I mean, the flip side uh, is, uh, no, is like, the flip side is that did, that, that, you know, it got attention. Um, on that note, I know in the uh, in a previous episode I said that we'd be certainly be talking about uh, reboot the Guardian Code again. Uh, I take that back. We are not. It's not worth anyone's time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just watch episode ten just for the sheer uh, shock value of that one, and then uh, just so. watch Code Lyoko to get basically the same concept that yeah. are executed. Or Lawnmower Man. Um, <laughs> uh, There's dead ass got to be a Lawnmower Man Code Lyoko crossover fan. <laughs> But, but anyway, the the linear portion is really important. I, I do think that, you, despite the fact that WoW would be a channel that no one is used to watching on, like, a Teletoon or a YTV or oh, something. I just, I, I just really hope I, I just really hope that Sabert can bring the same kind of marketing prowess that came into marketing early yeah. MTV to, to WoW. Because, like, well, you know, and I want people to think about WoW in that kind of context. It's like, that guy who launched MTV and built all that hype yeah. around it, I want my MTV. Hopefully he can get... Wow, I want wow or something going because yeah. we like otherwise this is such a, a crazy thing to do. I mean, also, I mean, also Hirsch. I mean, yeah. he's gonna make it like he could make this like the well more well-known brands we know in Canada for for, for well and for, he, for the existing stuff. And vastly um, more importantly, he should have his roots go back so far. He should have the Rolodex literally yeah. uh, of numbers of how to get this through whatever, you know, on the right desks of the right people. Like, there's a power team combination there that I, I want to stress that I hope, like, again, if they if you can't get those two to launch the network in Canada, that's, yeah. I almost wonder if that's it for new linear networks in Canada. Well, uh, you know, this is good. this might be the big last test for that, actually. But here's another thing. Also, with that, with the Ocean, uh, Ocean Kai, uh, Ocean Dragon Ball Kai dub, that's the kind of thing that has the potential to bring international attention to the block as well. Like, yeah. look, oh, look, this weird production that we've heard about for years is, is on the airwaves. Uh, I don't know well, what's going to air- be like as an actual presentable production in the end, but it's going to it's going to bring attention. And on on the airwaves would be there. great if it's on Crave. That might be even better because that's I, not going to be on. Dra- uh, worth pointing out, Dragon Ball Kai has never streamed anywhere. Um, that's actually one that Funimation never even managed to get the streaming rights to Kai. So if they do get that one, I would expect it to be broadcast only. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In other words, Um, so, so that's, that's the, that's the probable one. The impossible would actually generate all the hype in the universe when would actually be getting it on grave. Yeah. Um, (laughs) In my, my personal optimistic outlook on this is that if they get this anime block going and synergize it with Crave, like, I really hope this, if they do look into Sailor Moon, they'll also look into other Viz stuff and finally close that Viz gap in Canada. If you are not Canadian and not familiar uh, with this, you might not know that a large portion of um, Viz's catalog 
is not streaming in Canada and has not streamed in Canada for many years. Ranma One Half has actually never been available streaming here, which is quite ludicrous. And you know, if they get that relationship going, uh, I think that could be a <laughs> uh, a good opportunity to finally to finally fix that gap and get that content available. Not all broadcast, of course, but certainly certainly streaming. Well, I mean, anything would be better than old Neon Alley. <laughs> <sighs> Let's not talk about Neon Alley. One thing <laughs> worth pointing out, though, um, functionally with Crave, is that every video stream only supports one audio track and a closed captioning track. And those clo- and its closed captioning is like, we're talking like 90s it, white it, on like, black. It's like closed <laughs> captioning. It is closed captioning. It is captioning. literally not, closed captioning, uh, not subtitles. No, and um, I, mean, that, I mean, by the way, that's another tell that they're not super, like, it's this, it's another little technological nod that, like, the way that they've set this stuff up is not modern. <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair, I think even Hulu separates its does separate streams for its dubs and subs. So yeah, but I think like, that's also because Hulu has an again, Hulu has the same problem. It's it's, it's hey, a television what? it's a television service by television companies. As Automation opposed, also does too. Um, yeah. Worth pointing out. Well, and, uh, and people don't like and, and that's why people are really sad that Funimation is leaving Verve because Funimation yeah, app easily, is. They have easily the worst streaming app of the three major anime streaming apps. Which is, which uh, by the way, is an amazing feat considering like High Dive is really, really new. And (laughs) yeah, and not designed by Sony. (laughs) It's, uh, it's, it's kind of actually High Dive is considerably better than the Funimation app. It's, it's, it's very, well, I mean, they, they, they launched Um, with like, like simulcast live chat, which is genius. But you know, at the end of the day, um, even though there's that potential to have like a the, the Viz catalog and like the stuff like Capellian or uh, Lagrange uh, Flower of Rene and th- those few titles that are just not available in Canada for whatever reason, finally just getting them on there. I mean, the most important thing is getting the dubbed content on there. Oh yeah, um, no, no, the dub the, the dub is... content is everything. And the other thing is, there's a lot of Viz dubbed content that I think. If you're really gonna reach for this new block, could be really compelling. Like this gets back yeah. into the old action stuff is cool, but no one's got the gaunas to do like a shojo block. And who's got some yeah. like top sh- top fucking shelf shojo content is Viz. You know, I don't think they have Nana anymore, unfortunately. Oh, I, that's right. I think they yeah. think that has lapsed. Yeah, someone will, I, get it, someone will get it again, and uh, ho- hopefully not redub it. With LA voice actors. Oh, that would be a, such a waste because it's, it's a so it's a pretty solid Canadian dub, and it's oh, also and also it's one of the shows that benefits like it's like as as with all Canadian dubs, the longer the show is, the better the dub will turn out because the more the, the cast has a chance to to really get a grasp of the characters. Exactly, right. but I, I I think it's most important to get that dubbed content on there. Oh yeah, because again, like getting stuff on Crave. Yeah, because per- I. I strongly suspect that, you know, you have like over 1.5 million people have Crave in Canada. That number's probably going to grow. The number of those 1.5 people who actually use the service is probably also going to grow now that it's got the full HBO library as well. Yeah. When you, when you, ex- when you subscribe to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I suspect that the overlap between people who have Crunchyroll subscriptions and the people who have Crave subscriptions is extremely small. Oh. Crave is for I, a... I think that's pretty fair. <laughs> yeah. Crave is a hugely mainstream thing. It's a, well, it's, um, it's it a, is, su- it's a super casual thing. Like you have to, you, you can extremely you... casual. And like, I draw the comparison to Hulu. Hulu, even though you have to pay a subscription for it in the States now and it's a lot less popular, 
it is a very casual kind of site. Yeah, it's, it's, that, it's and, aimed at like people who yeah. watch TV, not like t- like yes, hardcore like television consumers use it because that's where they can get stuff. But that's not their you know their target demographic isn't like TV Twitter. Their target demographic is like your mom and your dad. And that's Crave's demographic as well. But the thing is, is at the moment, the thing that Crave probably doesn't have is like younger viewership. I don't yeah. know the demographic breakdown is, but here's the thing. Younger viewers, um, and this gets into like the value of linear versus thing is like, I have a feeling a lot of younger viewers right now, they're discovering anime through, I mean, the States, Crunchyroll has a free tier, so that helps. But that's a lot, another, but, but, but another major thing we're lacking here. Yeah, another major thing we're lacking. Another, here. another like casual avenue. Another, right? another casual app. Well, yeah. if nothing else, it's a, it's an avenue that means that if on the off chance some kid hears about like My Hero Academia at school, they can find a legal stream <laughs> from I, the jump. I, um, I think that in Canada, more people are finding anime through piracy. Yeah, or well, like no, a higher percentage it, of well, people. Well, and the thing is, especially young people. Yeah, they're probably yeah. if they're being introduced to it, it's like they're watching. They're probably, I wouldn't be surprised if a huge piece of it is a, 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 whatever they, what generation is, last generation, whatever you want to call it. The, the, the younger than millennials, the actual teenagers and, and, and tweens are, are watching like a let's play on YouTube. And the one of, and they're doing a sponsor break to be like, this let's play is brought to you by Crunchyroll. Watch da 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 on Crunchyroll. They, if they're lucky, it's something that's currently running. So maybe they're getting to see like the last 13 episodes of it. Yeah. And then if they have, uh, other than that, then it's either piracy, like general piracy, or they're watching some like crazy mirrored version on like YouTube or, or yeah. daily motion or but, something at best. So yeah. that is like, if it suddenly that can become like those sponsor breaks, like there's, there's popular Canadian YouTubers, like some of them have been on this show. If they can say like, Hey, watch my hero academia or something on crave. That's how the, that's, that closes the circle. So if WoW can get some of this content onto Crave, that closes the whole circle because then Crave can be like, we're gonna get, we're gonna get that young audience by doing tie-ins with some gamer channel and then the circle closes. Until then, it is this weird gap where it's like, if it's not there, the Gen Xers can't get at it, it can't be marketed through these other channels to younger people. And the linear is just part of like establishing its like I think cultural value uh, after a certain point. Now this gets to why I'm kind of of two minds on this this whole thing. Crave, I would argue, is not just mainstream. It sort of it, it sort of represents like the the main body of like the Canadian media or broadcast or or whatever you want to call it ecosystem of content right now. Um, obviously, you have Netflix, which probably more people are watching. Well, I also just don't know how, like, hour for hour, how much Canadian content is on Crave versus Netflix. And that would be an interesting metric that I have no clue about. I, I really don't know. And it, it, in a way, it doesn't even really come down to Canadian content. It just comes down to, like, what media entity in general is, has people's attention. Mm-hmm. Crave, from a Canadian perspective, would be the biggest thing. And having anime on that service, or, like, just getting niche titles in there on in general will go a long way in, you know, just, just getting more exposure for that kind of thing. And I think well, it's also really keeping it viable anime in, and keeping it viable and, you know, making the media landscape more interesting and more diverse again. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, or, well, well, right well <laughs> or otherwise you're really leaning on the fact that Netflix is an international player yeah. that is the, is the casual international player. 
yeah being the gateway to that and that's fine because like netflix is like honestly they've they've put money behind some really great shows um really great anime like i watched dragon pilot and i'm like that's a really darn good show and it's also one that's like deeply 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 japanese culturally too so it's like it's got it's got a lot going for it that um that's like beyond just being like a good anime i'm like man people will learn something about gifu from this show like legit that's one show and there's just so much more anime like if ne- if netflix had like crunchyroll's catalog i wouldn't worry as much netflix will never probably have crunchyroll's catalog and if anything with crunchyroll saying we're getting into original production i'll see how long that whether whether the u.s side of that like b- gets to stick around under at&t yeah. if you have a feeling if that's not an instant hit i think it's going to do well but if it's not an instant hit, I worry that AT&T will try and cut that early. I think the jet, their attempt at sh- sort of getting a Japanese uh, linear in- uh, vertical integration will be actually be really beneficial for Japanese animators because they'll be just be in a position to be like, here's money, no bullshit, no metal man, no production committee, don't starve in Tokyo. Well, for fuck's we'll sake. see about I hope. that. I, I, I hope so. But on that basis, though, Crunchyroll will always probably have more anime content and anime style content than Netflix can ever dream of. They will never be compet like Netflix will never be in each competitor in that space, which means other if if that stuff isn't coming in through if the stuff that Crunchyroll doesn't touch doesn't come in through other local streaming services. I mean, the other problem is, is like we there's always going to be players that don't bother to play an international game Hulu I don't think is ever going to until it's demanded of it will not play an international game. You know, if this stuff is going to get to casual viewers, more of it needs to show up on casual platforms somehow. And so that means that the local casual platforms, which in this case is Crave, and is in this case some sort of channel so that uh, the the hyper-casual viewer, the person flipping through channels or who just wants some TV on in the background, can, uh, to get into stuff, yeah, we like, WoW is like, it's a huge bet. And it's one that, like... uh, like I said, CanCon getting global exposure hinges on, and also global content getting better exposure in Canada hinges on, frankly. And there's also the whole question of, well, could, is Crave the kind of thing that could become an international player as well if they expand it? And I feel, and I feel like, like that's like, if Crave really wants to like make shit work, you do, you, Canada is essentially a media oleopoly. You have three yeah. companies that have effectively 95% of the content with the other remaining being in the CBC. And the CBC is yeah. probably in some ways going to be better positioned to play globally just because. Probably, I'm, yeah. Um, but the thing is, is like Canadian content companies kind of have to like fish or cut bait. Like they can sort of say like, we're going to either become vassals of, you know, we're going to be production studios, essentially groups of production studios under these umbrellas, but we're production studios that are ultimately Maybe we've got something here locally. Maybe we can sort of force that, but maybe not even that. But for the most part, if this stuff gets further exposure or better funding or we want to recoup more stuff from it, we're selling to one of X companies, right? We're selling to Netflix. We're selling to maybe to Verve as that becomes more of an international player and as that becomes AT&T's international play. Uh, we're selling to Amazon or, you know, we're selling to like one of these handful of things. It's like, I think it's way better if to, to, to swing hard now and try and say like, Hey, no, this is, we're going to anchor this thing with Canadian content and then we'll try and get as many other licenses as we can in here and, and compete. Cause otherwise 
you're already going to be seceding a lot of the talent that can make your streaming platform just nice enough to use in Canada. When you're comparing the international competition landscape to yeah. the, the one specifically in Canada, it's very difficult to reconcile like the scale of things like competition and and uh, oligopolies. <laughs> Yeah, and again, this this comes back to why I'm of two minds on this, because on one hand, I hate Bell. Bell is the company that wants to censor the internet. They want to destroy net neutrality. None of these fucking companies that we're talking about yeah. are good companies with oh, no, Canadian telecoms. No, absolutely not. But then we're but, literally saying, it's like, I hope they get competition from a shitty American telco. Exactly. Yeah, and that's, you're just like, fuck. That's the Canadian mentality for uh for telecom competi- competition. No, right it's now. like it's um, like we were like dead ass like Verizon, you, you and Verizon I were, will you know, be our savior. Well, like dead ass were like, man, it would be nice if like Verizon or T-Mobile bought like Mobilicity instead of Rogers. And like the fact of the matter is that actually technically would have been something because it would have put put the fear of God into the Canadian companies a little. Yeah. But it's still not healthy because that just turns Verizon, which is already I think technically an international telco. Um, certainly T-Mobile, obviously, again, Deutsche Telekom or SoftBank. Let's say SoftBank bought it. Like, again, that's, that's Japan's like, they don't, as interesting or compelling as a North American wide telco would be from some aspects, never roam again. At the same time, you're like, um, and there'll be three of them and you'll be fucked by all of them. <laughs> yes. Staving that off is probably in our best interest, honestly. But with Bell specifically, the thing is that Crave is slowly morphing into something that's not only mainstream, but it's it's very dangerously close to just becoming a replacement for television in general, especially with now that they've launched like essentially an HBO subscription that you can get. If they add to more it. linear channels, it will be an over the top option. Yeah, and then suddenly Bell will be literally the only people in Canada with the over the top option. And if it's viable, maybe that will suddenly draw in competition. But again, not competition from Rogers, not competition from Shaw, competition from Overseas players, PlayStation TV, yeah. YouTube TV, and that gets back into, are they, I mean, CTRC may say, like, if you want to run your service here, you've got to license Canadian channels. Okay, fine. Doesn't matter if they're not prioritized or not watched. Yeah. Like, it quickly the, could the become The thing is that they're mess. not, these things are not regulated by this, the CRTC. Yes. At least not. Uh, <laughs> so really, it would just be about cutting the content deals then to say, uh, I'm YouTube. We want to launch YouTube TV in Canada. We'd like to stream CTV. And it's interesting that that hasn't been put together. Is Canada simply, again, too sort of small a market? It's a, it's a, it's just still viewed as a leftover by these players. Or is there also just an aspect from the, again, our three companies saying like, <laughs> the last thing we're going to let, <laughs> let into Canada is your over the top service. We're not well, going to exactly, sell you for any price. That's the reason Hulu can't get in here is because Hulu's bread and butter is the streaming rights to American network shows. Those are all owned by Canadian. Global, C- yeah. global CTV, City, all those broadcasters and their, uh, their vertically integrated telco overlords as well. Um, and that's what's, that's basically why it can't gain any traction here. But the, the thing is that with, with, so, so right now, um, this would be different if Show Me were still around because then Shaw and Rogers would have that as their streaming outlet. Right now, you know, Shaw controls this the other half, essentially most of the other half of the oligopoly mm-hmm. with Chorus. If they had Show Me, they could, they would have a streaming platform. Right now, there is no streaming infrastructure at all for Chorus. The funny thing is about these oligopolies or partial monopolies is that it is one thing to acquire and amass this monopoly. It is quite another thing to actually run it. And we're in a situation now where Shaw 
is not capable of running their partial oligarch, their partial monopoly with chorus and it's completely in shambles right oh, now. Oh, certainly from the um, media side. Like there the problem yeah. is is and this is and this is the paranoia that I think can be should be should be there in the states with regards to AT&T's acquisition of, of the Warner stuff is okay, they've got all this stuff. Yeah. Warner's got its problems. Is AT&T going to fix them? Or is AT&T, through intent or neglect, yeah. going to make them worse? So far, one can say it's like, oh, it sucks that they're killing Filmstruck. It sucks that they're killing Drama Fever. I'm like, if they're in a position where they can retain the rights to that content, retain the relevant uh, talent from that, but then condense those offerings into platforms where people will watch them more, if by killing Filmstruck they put all that library into HBO so that classic films, instead of being a, in a ghetto, are visible... That might be a good move. If by killing uh, Drama Fever, they put all that stuff underneath the CR umbrella, where, again, it's more visible, that could be a smart move. On the other hand, they could do things where they just kill stuff, lose a bunch of talent to competitors, start seeding ground to them, and you have leveraged the shit out of your company to buy media companies you have ruined. And that's kind of where Shaw is right now. <laughs> yeah. Now... Now, here's the thing I'm concerned about. So sh there's no streaming infrastructure for any of that stuff. The popular example that I, I bring up a lot is like Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. Uh, Cartoon Network specifically is not streaming. You can't stream that content anywhere. And it's because mainly because sh like there's no outlet for it through through Chorus. If Shaw and Rogers eventually cave and just sort of sub-license their content to Bell to put on Crave, that would be essentially Bell having the full monopoly that they really want because earlier this year shaw was trying to sell chorus they could not find a person or a company that was willing to buy it and it was often cited that the only company that you know probably could buy it would be bell but they can't because that is literally the only thing that our competition laws will will prevent them from being able to do yeah, it's like the one step they can't make. If they can get Shaw and Rogers to get stuff on Crave, then they they get that monopoly they want in on a platform. My that bet is, is not... my bet is there's still limitations on that though, because while it I would I would would be very surprised if the way that the stuff is written up in terms of what they've licensed from U.S. content holders that they can then sublicense that again to another Canadian company. Yeah. I, I think the possibility of of Crave soaking up all the CanCon that's not CBC. Yeah. Very possible. And even then, CBC does stuff through production companies, so even some of the CBC stuff, the CBC might at points say, like, well, we can put this on our platform and give it value, or we can take a bag right now, having had sub-licensed it to Crave. And that's another risk. Um, yeah, it's I one mean, that's a little bit more unlikely, but, I mean, it's certainly possible that for any original Canadian content that Rogers or uh, Corey Shaw produce, they're like, fuck it, if it's on Crave... It's being monetized somehow. Um, I mean, that's how we get into this media balkanization stuff from the start was there's a lot of like, I can't set up a network in your country, but I can sell it to you. And you get in that habit of like, that's a quick bag. That's quick money. Um, yeah. And so you'll balkanize I mean, your content just because it got you $500,000 now rather than you making $2 million over the next three years. Um, and so long as that incentive is there, that's also an incentive towards monopolization because you say like, this guy's handing out money. <laughs> I'm gonna get that so, money right now. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you have like CBC and their their gem services, kind mm -hmm. of a a little balance of power, but it's like it's not enough. You have the possibility that Crave is going to become this all encompassing monster. 
here's why I'm of two minds on it, mm-hmm. because this is a, a kind of a really nightmare kind of scenario on the one hand. But if it if it is the center of attention to that degree and, you know, anime has a place on there, that is just so significant, well, no. undeniably significant for anime in general and for any other niche content they get as well. I mean, we're, we're really getting now to that, like... The big questions that people foresaw two decades ago, they're like, CRTC is going to have to work this out. And in the States, the FCC has to work out like, well, what, <laughs> how do you, how do you, what is competitiveness in this market? Where strictly speaking, it's like, I mean, and it's, it's incredibly beneficial to independent creators. And I say that not as obviously uh, from, from the, from, from the, from the much more simple overhead of a music perspective. It's still really great for me to be say like, I pay $25 a year. I can upload all the music I want to literally every streaming service, including super niche ones like uh, KK box, which is, I think like, again, something SoftBank owns that streams music in Asia. Like I, I get all this access as an independent creator, very uh, egalitarianly. How that translates into the much more complex world of television production and television distribution, unfortunately, uh, we have yet to see the television equivalent to DistroKid, where an independent creator or a studio can say, like, I'm going to pay X a year for access to then have this thing be up on all the major streaming platforms. And maybe that's long-term where we need to get, <laughs> but how the how what that looks like and the legal frameworks that surround that, I think, just don't exist yet. Okay, just to sort of summarize everything. We're in a situation where we were looking at anime. Yeah. That discoverability potential is really low Current. in Canada. Now, WoW Unlimited, to clarify, and I should probably, I, I should have said this at the beginning, we don't know for sure that there will be anime on the station. It seems... They're trying really hard, and I almost wonder if that's part of why you have the April launches. They're really... They understand the value of that. My suspicion of why they have the April launch is because there's a condition in their license that all the content they run between 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. has to have descriptive video service oh. in it. Um, which is... Uh, going to be interesting because I think a lot of the content they acquire and produce probably doesn't have that. This is, you know, 100% my speculation, but I think maybe they have to produce some of that or get their hands on some of that stuff in order to fill those um, time slots. But, you know, if they did, hopefully they get anime. If they do go for those major titles like the Dragon Ball Kais and the Sailor Moons and the, the Inuyashas, I don't know what the expenses for producing descriptive video service is, but I think it would be a, a good investment for you know, highly rerunnable content like yeah. that. Um, and also, if they were to get anime like Pop Team Epic, I would absolutely want to watch that show with descriptive videos. <laughs> oh my fact, god! <laughs> um, the man turns the page and then says, "Hell shake Yano." <laughs> I and you know, if they did that, they would have to get like one female uh, descriptive video oh, narrator shit. and a male descriptive oh my god. narrator and get them to do like redo you, the episode. You're fucking uh, genius. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that would create publicity for this. That would be am- love to watch that. Would that would be amazing publicity. Like I, I mean that's the kind of thing is so rarely are Americans jealous of the of the content Canada gets. It's the kind of thing where we can go back to very specific examples when uh Canada was getting new seasons of the cartoons it was making before the US. So it would be that would be one of those moments, wouldn't it? Maybe people would be like, oh man. But I'm yeah, I'm hoping that they they get anime going. I hope they get a good block going. Actually, I'm I'm curious to know, Carl. Just mm-hmm. just as an anime fan, what are your hopes? What were your hopes and expectations be from you know this possibility that we're gonna have anime on Wow? Oh, that's such a it's such a tricky thing. I think that from the yeah. Crave side, I want them to just get that catalog as big as possible, as quick as possible. Because like I said, that discoverability thing 
is real and it's already affecting what gets traffic on animation news websites. Like stuff that's on Netflix gets way more traffic than its contemporaries on, on Crunchyroll. Even the big hits on Crunchyroll still don't necessarily get the traffic that like a Netflix show will get or even an Amazon show will get. So there's real value, there's real value and discoverability there that uh, needs to be hammered out. So like there, I just want everything. I want everything they can get their hands on. I don't care if it's complete garbage type stuff. Frankly, some of the stuff I hate, I know moves discs and gets used. So I can't be picky on that. They could pick like the, the corniest fan service, fan service stuff that they can uh, peel off of Sentai and the Funimation. And I'd still be like, great. <laughs> I'd still be like, it'd still yeah, be, be like, okay with that. Yeah, it'd be like, <laughs> fine, that's something. And it's not, and it's honestly, it's not, it's not like you can't say like, it's not like you can't say that like Amazon and, and, and Netflix don't play in that pool and don't understand its value. But, uh, for what goes on the block, like obviously it's the more, like Kai would be a major win, uh, Sailor Moon would be a major win, um, especially cause those are the kind of things that again, like, oh man, we'd love to run that new thing. And like, even the, you know, I think I think I th- I think that it's been said that like Toonami couldn't pick up the new Sailor Moon. Like and that, so so to get that is a big haha for Canada. It's funny that they couldn't get that. I have a like my suspicion is that I think the broadcast rights are tied for the dub are tied to the streaming rights or rather I think Hulu might actually have the broadcast rights. There yeah, that's a, that's, I, 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 I would, that's my theory. That's I, my theory. It would explain why these things yeah. I and mean, it put this way, it would explain it's it's not like it's a problem that they're they would be unfamiliar with in as much as Wow, you can't seem to get the broadcast rights for this for this show that Crunchyroll has streaming. Um, oh, we're the same parent company. Magically, we have them. <laughs> so it's like those, so 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 those kind of deals do exist. So it would be really nice if I mean, and that could also be like the big kibosh is like they have that for North America actually for Hulu. So like we don't know that it can oh, can, can be the exact same thing that screws it for Canada. Wouldn't uh, be the first time. Wouldn't be the first time. Um, I think there. I think I think there's a lot of like. I mean, there's so much great Gundam stuff that's been dubbed in Canada and Gundam's been Gundam, Gundam, Gundam has historically done very well in Canada. Like, I mean, you know, as however popular Gundam was in America, you know, Gundam was popular enough in Canada that in a single gas station town in Eastern uh, British Columbia, I saw Gundam wing merchandise. That is next level. <laughs> I mean, getting something like Wing would be obvious. If they could... Oh, um, if they could, yeah. if, if, if Wing's been remastered, right? Oh, yeah. It's in oh, HD. that would be beautiful. On Blu-ray now. That'd be if good. They could, if they could wrangle the Ocean dub of Gundam Seed, because that, that, be that, that, that Ocean dub of Gundam Seed is being included yeah. in the... Um, in the like super special edition mm-hmm. of the Blu-ray coming out. If they could, you know, if they could wrangle the that version... Out of out of uh, out of sunrise to get that streaming up here, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I just make you know make the argument that this this had a big cultural impact in Canada. People would love to see this version of the dub if they can, and they can see the new dub if they buy the Blu-ray. So you can start so. to say like, all right, run the classics, and we'll use that as an excuse to get into the yeah. newer stuff. Like I like IBO. It's, I think it's a dope. Yeah, I, I think it's such a. Um, I think relative to a lot of other like, I think it's a good balance between like highfalutin political. Uh, fantasy Gundam, but also just like, yeah, but these guys are basically like Mars oil roughnecks. Like there's so, there's so much more human characters than we normally get out of our Gundam leads. They're much closer to the, the eighth MS team. Like these guys are just like in the middle of some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I think that, I think that plays, I think that plays really well. I think it's, I, and so like, I'd like to see that. Like I said, there's always that big dream ask of like, 
run shoujo content on uh on, like and not just like magical girl content like deep cut shoujo content on a on a linear station i wouldn't mind seeing them grab that uh that toei dub of of pretty cure season one i mean it would be i mean i'd like if they do that though i want it with like like a restored master because like it looks like god uh, the copies that, that the copies that you can watch of the sub are just brutal yeah you also have to remember that there's in, in this age where there's so much anime being produced it feels like there's less shoujo than ever well i mean <laughs> I, 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 well i mean i think it's like it's it's also it's like you're not by shoujo here i should probably say it's like run some jose ass shit on this channel <laughs> actually i mean that's really what i mean at the heart of it is like just run wakakazake just subtitled right right on the on the tv blog they should do that there is so 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 much um good Good, 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 unbroadcasted HD, for that matter, Jose content that you could start to tap that I would think would be for broadcast rights cheap. Well, we don't know, we, we don't really know that kind of thing. But, I would hope. Um, I put it this way, if they are sane, which I of course will never count on. I, see, I think that they're probably gonna, as, as far as content that runs on TV, they'll probably, for the most part, except for, you know, stuff like Dragon Ball Kai, which they're not gonna, I don't think there are gonna be streaming rights for that one. Um, they're probably gonna want, want to leverage stuff that they have streaming. It would be neat if if it were possible for them to do some kind. Because you know the thing about Toonami is that they they're very tricky with they do the way they do licensing. They often license stuff just for a one time airing to reduce costs, and that not only you know keeps things cheap, it also keeps generating new interest in the block because every it's always fresh, it's always new. Well, and a lot of that stuff you don't need to run more than once. It would be neat if they had some kind of deal with Crave. I don't know if this is possible, but like license like license a show for streaming but also as a condition of that license also allow a one-time airing for each episode yeah no, which would be adequate for most content honestly no there's a lot of content like, that like i mean there's like a... your my hero academia's your dragon ball supers obviously you'd want to be able to rerun that stuff over and over again but i mean most other content you could you re- you would really only need to like run once oh wait there's stuff and that you, they don't there's, like there's a... stuff that i hope they don't run at all like I'm, you know, you black clover. I mean, if yeah, they can, if, if if it's all they can get, I'll take it. <laughs> but there's things that I'd be like, it'd be nice that they could pass on that. No, there's definitely things that would be really good if they can get get it in there. I mean, I mean the main thing is, is I hope it doesn't look backwards too much. It's like, yeah, it'd be cool if you ran Cowboy Bebop. Maybe eventually, don't launch with that. It's yeah. old. I want it to launch with fresh stuff that makes people wish they had the channel, uh, not just here but overseas. Like you want this thing ideally to be so rad that people are envious of it and that's not just going to be done like that's the value of the ocean kai dub is it's something like shit yeah wish we could have that so you got to think of you know i'm trying to think in those terms it's like man what's the what's something that toonami hasn't gotten what's something that american television hasn't tackled and that's why i like immediately gravitate to jose because it's just completely untouched but i'm like okay you've got a crunchy roll connection you know have fred talk to Miles and see if you can get an airing of Yuri on Ice. That would be I, like I think, boom, fucking mic drop. If, <laughs> if we're naming individual titles, I think that Land of the Lustrous would be a fantastic run. One that to, would be uh, so to run TV. Fucking sick. Is it's just yeah. I mean, like, so I watched. I, I marathoned that I, uh, recently because I am my wife is still in Japan for another five days and I'm very lonely, very sad. Um, so I marathoned Land of the Lustrous, Land of the Lustrous while I was getting over jet lag and. Holy shit, like it's got action that is top shelf, yet the vibe emotionally is like on like almost like a Hibane Reme tip. Like it's just mm-hmm. damn, that is a good show. 
Um, I, I mean, I can't put it on any of my top lists or anything yet because I need like any of these things I got to think about these days because I'm old. But like, shit, I'm almost sad that I wasn't uh, able to follow that because of when it was running because it just sort of so hits the. Uh, I would have been, I would have, I would have wanted to be on the, the the online discussion on that one. But yeah, no, it's a great show. Yeah. And again, like, okay, so Amazon ostensibly streams that it, it was sublicensed from from sentai sub-licensed. So that's, sentai is that's fully theirs and i really they got a dub starting soon and so. i hope i hope sentai is better i hope they get sentai stuff i hope that sentai isn't left out of the dust I, I, so. well i mean it's one of these things where it's like i hope sentai doesn't say like well now we've got high dive we have verb and that will be our international foray i think there's a lot of value and i think this is something that i don't know to what extent sentai has hangovers from adv because we now know very explicitly from recent tweets from Jason DeMarco that like there was a lot of ADV content that they wanted proactively and just simply were not, you know, ADV said, nah. So I don't know to what extent Sentai has, I mean, they've run some stuff on Toonami, right? Like there's been a couple of Sentai titles, Uh but I just don't know if they still kind of have some of ADV's TV compulsions. I hope, I hope they have learned that like, man, if ADV didn't have a TV compulsion, there'd probably still be an ADV. Because I think that's a huge part of why Funimation was able to stick around. Because if nothing else, that's just extra money in the bag. But it also raises the prominence and value of your brand. So back to the value of linear television. So, yeah, there's a lot of Sentai stuff that would be just dope. Here's the other thing. I want to see this new channel, understand that it runs for 24 hours a day, and therefore there are times where you can just be like, we're going to run weird shit and try stuff. I want this channel to be bold because that is actually missing. That actually then might have not just value in Canada, but be the basis for value internationally. You know, obviously they should be discerning for whatever they get for the station, but I oh, mean, crave the crave has, of everything, everything that they yeah. can, like whatever deals they can cut. I, I agree. I agree with you also that uh, they should, you know, not just make it a Canadian version of Toonami. I'd like to see a a more uh, a different angle, probably again more of a Jose ish. Um, I'm also just. I think even Land of the Lustrous fits into. It's it's it's, tech, it's, te- it's technically seinen, but I think it kind of fits into that that mold you mentioned too. But it's like it's just in such a different like headspace than like other anything that would have run on Toonami. I feel like Toonami should run it. Like there's Lord knows there's enough action in it. Yeah, I agree. That'd be and great. It's yeah. like super brutal, and it and it's weird. Like shattering gems, but not 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 in a <laughs> Steven Universe way. You made you made I'm the not, forbidden comparison, Carl. I did it. I even did even it. though, let's face it, the audiences for those two shows are extremely similar. Even if on even the shows themselves are not like <laughs> you know what it was was like that was absolutely there is there is there is no there, there is in no small way like Land of the Lustres is also just like methadone for while you wait for more Steven Universe. <laughs> Anyway, I think we should probably cut ourselves off before we start making fantasy schedules. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, I mean, uh, I mean, that's one the problem is, is like, I could easily do that for a while and from yes. both their library and what I would pray they get. For, for all we know, this April, like, the station could, like, completely fall apart between now and then. The entire, <laughs> like, fabric of society could fall apart between now and then. Vote <laughs> if you, uh, um, I mean, this is coming out after people have voted. But you better uh, vote. We're, we're we're recording this the night before the U.S. midterms. So, so just to, to wrap up, I'm, I will reiterate again, even though that uh, this upcoming WoW channel has the uh, enormous um, influence and uh, pockets of Bell behind it, and uh, two in- genius, legendary execs. Uh, I still urge you, if you have a cable provider that doesn't carry 
Comedy Gold, which is the station that will be turning into the WoW station or WoW TV or WoW World or whatever they call it, I urge you to contact your provider and tell them you want to see the station on the day it launches, hopefully next year. It's it's really important because we want to make sure that this reaches as many people as possible. Linear is important. The linear is going to feed into the streaming. The streaming is even more important. The streaming could feed into to more linear. Maybe they'll see. Maybe anime will succeed. Maybe they'll try putting it on. I don't know, space or something. And, and you know what? But, Maybe uh, it also gets more Canadian content, which means Canadian animators, writers, producers out to the world and gets us less dependent on tax credits and more just exposed and letting these creatives be like awesome. So there's so many, there's so many, there's, there's so many so. important things behind this channel that I, I can't, I don't, I don't even, as much as I love anime, I don't want to, I want to stress also that like, cause you know, you and I have friends who are animators and shit in here in Canada and like, this could be a big thing for them. If instead of it just being choruses everything, there's a real, there's a real second gravity. Cause otherwise, you know, monopolies. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think we'll, we'll call it quits there. Thanks for tuning into Zun and Canada. Uh, Carl, uh, where can uh, where can the folks at home find you on social media you, and other places on the internet? You can find me at k r l r o l s o n dot com. Also, my Twitter handle, also my Facebook handle. Uh, you can also find me at ultraclastron dot com, and uh, where my Bandcamp resides. You can find all my music on Spotify. I just dropped a new record. It's drum bass sounds like it's kind of music that underpins tsunami. So you probably, if you're listening to this, might enjoy it. And uh, I hope to have another project out sometime next year, uh, as I often do. And Carl, of course, is responsible for the theme song for this show, which you can find on his album Packet Flood in all the places that he just named to you right now. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at jbetteridge or email zonandcanada at gmail.com. Uh, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or whatever your podcast app of choice is. Uh, leave a rating or review if you have a chance, because that really helps with visibility for the show, especially on Apple Podcasts. Like, like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. If you know anyone else who might like this show, please recommend it to them. See you again. <laughs>